We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Um, prayer is one of those things that uh, is a challenging part of the Christian life. It's something that we all know we're supposed to do. We even know that we're supposed to want to do it. <laughs> but yet we struggle to do it. 
Uh, I found it interesting. I looked up some some uh, statistics. Uh, according to a, a recent Gallup poll, 90% of the American people claim that they pray regularly. 90%. That's huge. 75% say that they pray daily. Now, it doesn't and that wasn't restricted to just Christian prayer. It doesn't say what kind of prayer or how they prayed or who even they prayed to. But just in some way, in some form, in some fashion, they pray. And I've discovered that a good way to find out how important something is in our culture today is to Google it. And see how many results you can get. That kind of tells you how important and pervasive something is. So I Googled prayer. And I got 312 million responses. 312 million. I told them I had to take my glasses off and clean them and put them back on because I thought surely I'm seeing too many zeros. Uh, now if you, add, if you qualify it by saying Christian prayer, you get a paltry 71 and a half million responses. Isn't that crazy? But behind those impressive numbers is the problem that even though most people feel like prayer is something that should be part of our life, they have a hard time with it. They have a hard time finding it meaningful and making it a significant part of their life. Uh, one of my favorite Christian authors is Philip Yancey. And if you want to be challenged, read some of Philip Yancey's books. He, he, uh, he causes me to think about things differently than I've often thought about them. Uh, he's a very good author. Um, and he wrote a book called Prayer, Does It Really Make Any Difference? Excellent book on prayer. Would encourage you to read it. Um, but in preparation for that book, he interviewed a lot of people about their prayer life, their prayer experience. And I want to tell you some of the typical responses he got. Is prayer important to you? Yes. How often do you pray? Every day. Approximately how long do you pray? Five to seven minutes. Do you find prayer satisfying? Not really. Do you sense God's presence when you pray? Occasionally. Do you see the problem? There seems to be a fairly wide gap between what prayer is supposed to be and our experience of prayer. And so I, I, I began to think about what would cause that. Why is prayer so difficult. And I came up with three things. One thing I think is a problem is that we live in an age of instant communication. We are used to being able to talk to people in a matter of seconds. I could whip out a text, I could put out a tweet, and you get almost instant responses. 
And then we talk about prayer, and we're supposed to spend extended time in prayer talking to God. And then there's no immediate feedback or response. See, we struggle with that. I mean, wouldn't it be great if prayer were like texting or tweeting? God, I need. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's cool. You know, you just you whip it out there and you get an answer right away. That would be wonderful, but that's not how prayer works. Prayer is something that takes time because prayer is something that's part of a relationship, not just casual communication. And then I thought about our lifestyle, and I think our prosperity gets in the way of prayer. You know, if you've got most of what you need and, and quite a bit of what you want... You probably struggle to, to feel like you're dependent upon God for your daily life. I mean, I've got abilities and resources to take care of kind of immediate problems. I've got a 401k and some insurance plans to secure my future. Where does God fit into that? You know, a few minutes ago, we just prayed... Give us this day our daily bread. But how sincerely do I pray that when I've got a pantry at home stocked with two or three weeks worth of food? I know where my daily bread's coming from. It comes from Marsh. So am I really dependent upon God for that? And I also think we just have the wrong idea about what prayer is supposed to do. I think if a lot of people are honest, if, if you ask them, what, why do you pray? What do you hope to accomplish when you pray? The answer would be, I want God to act the way I want him to. I want God to get in on my agenda. I want him to give me what I need. I want him to give me much of what I want. I want him to change other people around me so I like them better. You know, don't change me. <laughs> change all them. I'm, I'm just basically trying to get God to get with the program. <laughs> you know, God, and, and, and we end up praying in a way that we're trying to persuade God. To do that. It's almost like, you know, that uh, I use the image of a divine vending machine. You put in your dollar's worth of faith and you're supposed to choose uh, your desired blessing. Okay, I'll take that one. But that's not what prayer is. In fact, that's almost the polar opposite of what prayer is. Prayer is not me trying to change God so that he will do what I want him to do. Prayer is asking God to change me so that I will be the way he wants me to be. See, we're, we're completely opposite here. Instead of trying to change God, I should be asking God to change me.
And that's, that brings us to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It's three verses, but it's really just about the length of one verse. But these phrases were so important, they decided to get their own verse. <laughs> Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What Paul is trying to do is establish the default attitude of the Christian life. We are to be joyful and thankful. I can do that. I can be joyful most of the time. I can be thankful a good deal of the time. But Paul has a way of making it hard. He doesn't just say be joyful and thankful, does he? He says to be joyful always. And to be thankful in all circumstances. And that's where he loses me. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. And I have learned that when in the Bible they use the word all, they really do mean all. See, sometimes we say all, but we mean all with a few exceptions. <laughs> or all and less certain other things happen than then it changes. Paul doesn't mean that. When Paul says be joyful always, he means be joyful always. And when he says be thankful in all circumstances, he wants you to be thankful in all circumstances. And I don't know how to pull that off. I, I honestly don't. I have things happen in my life that just seem to suck the joy right out of it. And I don't know how to keep it there. And I've, I go through some circumstances in my life that, that it's really hard to say, thank you, Lord. But we were never meant to do that ourselves. And that's the problem. I try to do it myself, and I can't. I can't be joyful always. I can't give thanks in all circumstances. It's not in me to do it. But that's where he sticks that little phrase in the middle. Pray continually. This is what I call the Oreo cookie of the Christian life. I tend to think in terms of food because that works for me, okay? If it doesn't work for you, you can find something else. But I think in terms of food. The Oreo cookie of the Christian life. How are you supposed to eat an Oreo cookie? Do you just eat it? Oh, Oreo cookie. No, twist it apart. Thank you. Twist it apart and go work on that cream. Uh, you know, go work on that cream. Then you dunk it. Then you eat it. 
Do you remember the old, yeah, some of you younger folks may not, but there's an old little jingle that went along with Oreo cookies? You want me to sing it for you? <laughs> I love these people. I love the, I apologize to those of you who might be listening on the radio, but they asked for it. Cause a kid'll eat the middle of an Oreo first and leave the chocolate cookie outside for last. Huh? You remember that? You remember that? Yeah, come on. Let's hear it. Come on. Thank you. That's probably the last time you'll hear me sing, but um, you know, that's, they wanted to put out the idea that the most important part and the special thing about an Oreo is not the chocolate cookie. Everybody had chocolate cookie. But it's that they sandwiched chocolate cookie around that cream filling in the middle. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be joyful. And I want you to be thankful. And I want you to do it not just when life is good, but when life is hard. All the time. And the only way you could do that is if you sandwich that around prayer. You need to pray continually. Well, see, now he's lost me again. <laughs> if he'd just say you need to pray. Okay, so I talk to God and God makes it possible for me to keep that joy and that thankfulness. But I'm to pray continually. Or some translations will say pray without ceasing. Wow. How do you do that? Because I was taught to pray when I was a child. Sitting down or on my knees. Can't do the knees anymore. Knees are bad. With my hands folded and my eyes closed and my head bowed. And that's how you pray. And then my Sunday school teacher said, I'm supposed to do this continually without ceasing. I can't do that. I cannot do that. I have a tad bit of ADHD in my body. I can do that for about two minutes. Even as an adult, I can't do that. If you told me I had to sit and pray like that for 10 minutes... I'd be in trouble. I'd have to start doing the knee bounce. Any of you do the knee bounce? Yeah, that, that helps drain off some of that energy. Can't do it. So Paul's lost me again. Okay, you want me to pray, but you want me to pray continually. But see, the problem is I was thinking of prayer as an activity that you do. And I don't know how to do that activity. And still, how was I supposed to go to school? And how am I supposed to eat? And how am I supposed to play basketball with my friends if I'm praying all the time? Well, it's not an activity that you do. Prayer is a state of mind. Prayer is an attitude in which you keep a line of communication open with God all the time. Think of it like this. Say you call somebody. And when you're done, you don't hang up. And they don't hang up. You just keep that line open all the time. Now, I would be in trouble because I would probably say something at some point I didn't want that person to hear. <laughs> 
And that might wreak havoc with my phone bill, I don't know. It sure would with my battery, wouldn't it? But see, Paul is saying to pray continually, it's not that you, you don't engage in an activity called prayer all the time. You can't do that. But what you do is you open up that line of communication with God. And when you end your prayer, in Jesus' name, amen, you don't hang up. When you say amen, you're simply meaning, I'm done for the moment. But I might be back in a minute or two. I might be back in a half hour. I may be back in a couple hours, but I'm going to be back. And sooner rather than later. And when I go back, he's right there. There's an open line of communication. See, that's what it means to pray continually. That you have an attitude in your heart and mind where you know God is with you every moment of every day. And I can pray in any moment. I can pray no matter what else I'm doing. I'm praying right now. I pray while I preach. It's usually something like, God help me. <laughs> I, I, need, I, need, I need some help with this to get this thought out, to convey this meaning, to speak your truth. But I pray while I'm preaching because the line's open. And I can talk to him while I'm talking to you. And as you go through your day, how much difference would your day be if you said, I can talk to God while I'm with my family. I can talk to God while I'm at work or at school. Or I can talk to God when I'm with my friends. Or no matter what I'm doing, I have this open line of communication with God. And because I know he's there, even if things are going bad at the moment, I'm having a bad day, I'm in the middle of a bad situation, I can still have my joy and I can hold on to my gratitude because God and I are in direct communication about it constantly. And I know that he's on the job. I know that this thing that has happened to me has not missed his notice. That I'm not going to go to prayer and God's going to say, oh man, I didn't know that happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was busy with this world disaster over here and I missed the fact that you, you got sick. See, he's on it. So we're to pray continually. We're also supposed to pray in Jesus' name. Were you taught that? I was taught that too. And that part I held on to. I've kind of lost the whole position and posture thing that you have to pray with the, the head bowed, the eyes closed, the sitting still, hands folded, all that stuff. I lost that. But I've held on to praying in Jesus' name. And after doing it for almost 60 years, if I'm not careful, I just do it casually. I say my prayer and go in Jesus' name, amen. I just whip that out there. And I don't give a thought to what that means, but I dare not do that. Because that is the power behind the prayer. Because if I don't pray in Jesus' name, whose name am I praying in? And sometimes, even though I say, dear God, at the, at the front, and I say in Jesus' name at the end, I'm still praying in my name. Because my whole prayer is, I need, I want, I desire, I require. And I end up having a prayer full of I and me. And I might as well end my prayer by saying in Roger's name, because it's all about me. 
And that's why it's important to pray in Jesus' name because it reminds me that the focus is not me, it's Him. And rather than praying to inform God about what I need and want and trying to persuade God to give me what I need and want, what if I were to pray truly in Jesus' name by saying, Lord, you know what I need. You know what I desire. You know what my will is. But I'm not praying for my will. I'm praying for yours. And so I want you to take these things that are happening in my life, these situations, these circumstances in my life, use them however you see fit. I'm yours. All my life is yours. So use it for your glory and your honor. See how that changes the whole focus of prayer? And the other reason I pray in Jesus' name is because I invoke His authority on my prayer. If I'm struggling with a temptation and I pray, and I pray in my name, you know what Satan does? He laughs. <laughs> he just laughs. Who are you? But when I pray in Jesus' name, he trembles. Because the power behind my prayer is not me. The power behind my prayer is Jesus. You know, in order to have that, that open communication with him, you have to have him in your life. Prayer is never meant to be a long-distance call. It's meant to be a heart-to-heart -heart talk because he's living within you. And if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior, that's the first step. And I want to invite you to do that. It would be my joy to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple confession of faith that says, I believe in Jesus and accept Him as my Lord and Savior. But make no mistake about it, the words are easy, but the follow-through is tough. <laughs> because for the rest of your life, you will be living out that confession. And you will only do it through prayer. I would invite you to come. As we stand together, we're going to sing hymn number 486.
me 